it, it, otherwise you just all of my little XCOM mans. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, that, that, that's not true. I wait. I waited till the third promotion to name anybody. <laughs> like, I don't want to know you until you get there. You you're don't probably. You don't get a name until you have a rank. not interested in your playing current game at all. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's just not gonna happen. We're not gonna waste any of our time playing cards. Yeah. Because no, it's not weird time. and bends the metafiction too hard. Can't it's a, can't turn a little it. a little too meta. A little bit too just one step beyond. I I was with it until they started putting, you know, the actual characters that no one's supposed to care about or remember as cards. And I'm like, why, why, why would you play a Northern Heroes deck? No one's heard of Triss, right? Those are the rules. Yeah, oh, I, well. uh, yeah I, I, I almost played it until there was going to be a major mission. And they're like, hey, why don't we play this card game while we're waiting for this incredibly important military operation to uh, pop off? Yeah. So my name is Scott. Joining me tonight is special guest, Pedro. Say hey. Hey, what's up, everybody? All right. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to talk a, a little, a little uh, Eastern European RPG goodness. But before we do that, we have Pick of the Week, our segment, where we have a thing for the week that we pick just as an icebreaker. What you got, Pedro? What's cool this week? Well, uh, I'm actually going to... That's that's interesting because there, there's a lot of things. Uh, okay, so I'm going to recommend a comic called Monstrous that's currently running in Image uh, by Marjorie Marjorie Liu. I can't I, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, uh, and I don't remember who the artist is. But it's this interesting kind of fusion between Asian mythology, a lot of like Eastern. Um, a lot of oh God, a, a lot of the stuff that you've just seen in kung fu movies and shit like that, with kind of standard Western European uh, war kind of. God, I'm, I'm not doing a good job of selling this. Uh, <laughs> being sprung on me. It's it's just this, it's a really good series that kind of meshes two ideas of kind of medieval uh, medieval fiction and throws in a whole bunch of fucked up horror elements with it that ends up working really, really well. And uh, they just finished, uh, I think they just finished the sec, no, the third volume. I think it's around issue 14 or 15. And uh, the, the series is definitely going in some real bizarre places. So if you're uh, into indie comics and want something that's definitely not like anything else that is being put out there, I would uh, recommend giving Monstrous a shot. All right. Uh, so that leaves it to me to pick a thing. And my attempt to buy time by throwing Pedro on the bus has failed yet again. <laughs> hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> You're like, I'm too busy producing, I can't think. Ah, uh, all right. I can't think anymore. My brain is goo. But uh, I am going to recommend... 
Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to recommend a novella. It's called The Dispatcher by John Scalzi. Oh, it's an cool. uh, urban fantasy-ish thing. It is about a present day where if you die of unnatural causes, you don't actually die. You just wake up at home naked, um, reverted to your body state about 48 hours before whatever happened to you happened. Oh, geez. And uh, it follows a uh, guy called a dispatcher whose job it is to exploit that particular loophole to help people not die. Like if you're in an operating room and surgery starts to go south, well, he, he just pops you. He liquefies mm-hmm. your brain with a special device and you wake up at home uh, as you were before surgery started. So you can try this again. <laughs> like, all right, one more time. And and uh, Scalzi kind of takes that idea and premise and bends it in a lot of interesting ways in, you know, about 130 pages in, you know, some something that uh, other authors might spend a lot of time on and turn into a whole franchise. This guy's just like, no, here's a bunch of ideas. Let's pull that around. And there's like, a whole gray market where, like, we meet another dispatcher who takes side jobs uh, at fight clubs of various sorts. Where mm-hmm. it's just you can go full ham, and then you know, as you're bleeding out, or even if you win, but you're really, you know, your eyeballs hanging out and you've lost fingers. You, he just, you know, double tap and oh, home, fine, ready to go again next week. Yeah, I can imagine something terrible like uh, that, but like credit card companies will resurrect you. It's like, ah, you thought you could escape paying that bill? Nah, motherfucker. Well, the the whole thing is about the mafia, or or the <laughs> I, the, I, the the story is about the Irish mob getting involved in a personal vendetta, and uh, this particular dispatcher being shanghaied into helping the police solve a kidnapping. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, again, it's short and sweet, but I really liked it. Sweet, yeah. I'll uh, look it up. That sounds neat. I like John Scalzi, so I, I think it. Uh, I got a review copy, so I think it hits shelves by like the end of May. Sweet, yeah. I'll look out for. It. So our topic for today is we're talking about The Witcher Three specifically because that's the good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the one that so many more people have played. Well, I mean, a lot of people played The Witcher Two. Or started The Witcher 2. I... Yeah, I, I don't know a lot of people that finished The Witcher 2. I know people bought it. I know people said they liked it. I know of no one who's finished. Yeah. Uh, so I I heard, I first heard about The Witcher just because I listened to a lot of video game podcasts. A lot of the one-up people. Um, God, I don't even know if this was before the one-up apocalypse or not. Um, but I definitely remember a couple people at least connected with them playing this game about, you know, this, uh, this guy that kills fucking monsters and it has this, like, it's, it's like, it's come from a Polish developer and it comes from these Polish fantasy stories. So I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's, this is an interesting concept and an interesting idea. Excuse me. And of course I couldn't play it at first because of, uh, I didn't have any of the platforms that it was out on. So yeah, that that yeah. that was also a big hurdle. Um, like I played The Witcher One about a year after it came out, and you could sort of tell that this was a starting studio. Um, 
just doing their damnedest to release a thing that was like to the letter the the story the the novels to the letter the the mechanics of the novels uh but doing it in the confines of a neverwinter nights mod <laughs> is that what it is that, is that what it basically was uh, uh yeah it's 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 um it is built in the aurora engine same as dragon age 1 except oh, that shit. you know uh dragon age 1 had the guys that <laughs> created the engine turning it inside out while um again C project at the time was like you know 20 some odd guys and the Neverwinter Nights engine can do some things, and if you push it outside of those things, it falls apart pretty fast. It does not like it, yeah. It does It does not like to be pushed. Uh, uh, the one thing that I actually like, because I did eventually get a chance to play an enhanced version came out on Mac years later. Uh, I got it in a, in a, on a Steam sale, and um, you know, I gave it a shot, and I... I, I, I that's I, I was impressed by the ambition because I could definitely that was definitely one of those like oh they have so many ideas and they really just couldn't get them across. Uh, I, I really dug the whole plan planning ahead of time. There definitely is something that especially when it came out there weren't a lot of games that really took that into consideration. Nowadays you have you know your Dark Souls, you have Bloodborne, you have really force you to take shit into you know, into consideration before like, you go. Like you have to encounters. stop, you have to research and observe. And yeah. I think uh, like Witcher one really didn't put all of its things in a row in a way that was player friendly. I think two tried to do it a little more. And I think three just threw in a lot of quality of life material. Just be like, okay, you've made a version of the potion. You will keep that stocked forever now. Because <laughs> running or hopping around gathering flowers is less fun than you might think. Yeah, yeah. I and uh, w when I popped in, two, eventually when I got a chance to play two, I definitely felt like, oh, okay, this is closer with, to what they wanted. But I actually felt a little more limited. Like, uh, if and I remember, I, this has been a long time since I popped in it. But if I remember correctly, two was like one in that it was still fairly, uh, fairly linear. It didn't. Uh, it didn't have the same level of openness that uh, that three eventually. I think you know two showed. One was straight up linear. Two sort of had this this hub and spokes idea where you would go to town, mm -hmm. and town would have like six things you could do. One of which was your main quest. One of which was sort of an in depth side thing, and then a bunch of fiddly little errands that you could take or leave. And, okay, and then you would sort of go out on the spokes to fulfill all of those as you wanted, but it was still very much, okay, you are leaving the, you, you killed a Kraken that got washed up river. You're leaving this river town. That's it. You're done. You're not coming back. Yeah. And, and it, I was also impressed at the time because it, it gave, it did a good job of making you think that there was more happening than there actually was. You know, it's, it's, it's always impressive when a game feels bigger than it actually is. But when you stop and think about it, you're like, oh, that was actually a lot smaller of an experience. But at least while I was playing it, it made me think of, you know, that this was a larger world. Well, 2 had this really great dividing point where you had to choose between um, the elf rebels and uh, the human imperial dickbags. 
not to say that the Rel- Elf Rebels are not also dickbags, but like that divide was really big and really drastic. Mm-hmm. And um, where other games might actually, you know, choose it, you know, say Skyrim on the same console, uh, choosing a faction is like choosing Coke or Pepsi, right? Right. Whereas, Whereas the, the, this one's a little more. This, this you chose a completely different restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> So so how how different are we talking about uh, from the split? Are we talking about like in, in, in vastly different like stories? Uh, like literally, you stop interacting with everyone you were talking to beforehand. If you uh, switch to the elf side, mm-hmm. you you just stop talking to these people. Uh, they wow. don't interface with what you're doing until the very climax, where it it you you end up at one place and you know, things go down and Geralt gets his memory back after two games of being amnesiac. Oh my God. I forgot about Yennefer. Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's so excited that he remembered Yennefer. It's like, Oh shit, Triss, (laughs) you're kind of a date rapist, aren't you? Uh, I mean, so I, okay. So like I didn't, since I didn't get far enough in either of those games, I never, I didn't go through any of those romantic entanglements. So I didn't really have any, uh, opinion one way or the other for, for any of these, uh, for any of these characters going into three, three, I was pretty much a blank slate. Uh, so I'll get into that when when we focusing more on three, but I think it's uh, that that's really interesting that, that there's that real hard split there. So it really is, uh, two separate games that, you know, you know, you more or less have to play it twice if you want to really yeah, get both like angles. There, there, there's like 20 hours of stuff you don't see. Oh, wow. That's a lot of content. Well, God I mean, damn, the, okay. like Witcher 2 is a big ass game. Like, is, is it as big as uh, three or is it like in the same uh, level of it's not as big size? as it, it's not as big as three, but it is pretty gosh darn big like it's it's like a you know a playthrough is like a 60 hour haul and if the the entire second you know if the whole second act and most of the third is diverged then you're sort of stuck without um you're 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 kind of stuck with 20 to 25 hours worth of stuff you didn't get Mm. yeah that that's uh i'm trying to think of like uh any recent games that I've played that have forced you to make such drastic choices, and I can't... There's nothing that comes immediately to mind where you have such a hard divide and for, for so long. Maybe you might have that, like, you know, for one or two missions at the end of a game, but not where you still have, like, well, here's 20 hours that you haven't seen before. I mean, I can think of something like... Um, I mean, this is going way, for, way, way back. Uh, Chrono Cross having, like, some pretty drastic changes like pretty drastic splits you can go on where beyond just affecting story points later on like by going to this place you're you're completely missing out on entire side quests that will make no sense to you later on or like you'll run into somebody and you have no sort of context for you know why you should give a fuck about them and then when you go back and you do another playthrough you're like oh this is why i should have cared recently uh, i it's hard to think of something really that drastic in and in that style where it does branch early and then come back. Whereas, yeah, that seems to be a uh, kind of not, not 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 encouraged since everything seems to be uh, gameplay experiences are getting tighter and tighter. People are more worried about having people uh, 
stick with their game and not resell it back and you know giving people those kinds of splits meaning that if they want to get the whole experience they have to you know put in significant more time i would imagine that is not uh as encouraged now with just just i don't know with with uh development at least recently yeah definitely definitely um no, and then and then so after that we get The Witcher Three, which was rightly fucking lauded. I think this, um, you know, I I came down a little bit cynical when I reviewed the game the first time around, but just because it was their uh, CD Projekt's third kick at this particular can, but um, I mean that kick was still you know right in right between the goalposts, right? Like this really got every little thing right yeah 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 uh, uh so, so like i'm not a huge fan of big open world games i'm not a big gta guy not a big in red Dead redemption in general the sort of rockstar formula for making these larger worlds i'm not a huge huge fan of uh mostly because i feel that a lot of it is either busy work and the gameplay elements that you have to execute to get them aren't as aren't as entertaining as they should be and i think what uh the witcher did to kind of break that is it has a very strong solid core for actually playing the combat is really fun and it takes some of the elements from the first two that they couldn't quite get right and it manages to strike a balance between challenge and still being free enough to be enjoyable i think i i, I felt that a it's not as um, not as frantic as as the the Arkham games, but I definitely felt that some of the timing base, like they felt that they were more emboldened to open up how to do counters and how to uh, how to deal with multiple opponents. And I really felt that's where the first two games, when I played them, um, really started kind of getting bogged down. Is when you were dealing with multiple people, and this one, you know. When multiple people were coming, I was actually excited to actually fight them because I felt like, okay, well, this is going to be a challenge. I know what I have to do to be able to survive this, but there's not it's not a guarantee. Well, it also felt like you could you you were free to wander. Like my biggest problem with two was that I like to explore. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not in a, I'm, I do like games with an exploration element. I'm not necessarily going to find every little doodad, but I like. Like, my favorite game mode in an Elder Scrolls game is to just play, hey, what's over there? Because mm -hmm. the, the compass will fill in with little things, and I'm like, oh, what's that? And, oh, you know, it's it's yet another cave full of stuff, but it's it's a cave full of stuff I wouldn't have found for any reason other than I was looking for caves full of stuff. Yeah. And Witcher 2, if you walked into anything... Without being, without knowing what was there, and without being ready for exactly that, you were dead. <laughs> yeah, straight up dead. Oh, you pissed off a troll. You're dead. Here, it felt like okay, no, no. As long as you've, you know, you've had a rest recently, you can do anything. Like you, you can walk along and wander along. And oh, hey, oh god, that's a nest full of thing. Okay, I just gotta grab this, this, and this, and equip these grenades and party. And that's literally just tap and tab pulling everything you need up and doing it like you 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 could start the fight on your bad leg and recover immediately and just go into it and win 
Whereas, and I mean, that's not the setting because the setting is, uh, especially in the novels, is that things will happen, it will go badly, and you will get fucked up. That's why yeah. there's like three witchers left walking around. Yeah, they're not exactly the uh, the the most self caring of of uh, of uh, characters. Yeah. Whereas, but this this is just you know, player friendly enough to be like, okay, yeah, no, you, you, you can, you can work your way out of any problem you find yourself in and it's great. It, it's empowering. You feel like you're Geralt, the most badass guy in badass town. Yeah. And I think the other thing that, uh, and the thing that almost made me stick with the first two games is this is a, uh, this is an interesting fantasy world. It takes a lot of elements that you would expect from normal fantasy and it just twists them enough to be uh to be different and i think that and i think the big thing with that is how they characterize Geralt. like the options of how like they give you sort of the not, not huge choices but they give you these minimal choices but sort of having him be this ostensibly neutral guy running around and dealing with a lot of power like I like those kinds of stories where you're you might you might affect some of, of what's going on, but ultimately you're just you're just another pawn and what and what's happening. Well, I think this game, uh, this franchise, really nailed noir, where you are an outsider. You are yeah. an outsider, and being an outsider gives you power more so than the fact that you're also a horrible mutant. But <laughs> that helps. <laughs> yeah, it helps that you're a horrible mutant. But, like, the source of your power is that you are outside of things. And that you will source... You you can step to any figure and be on a level play, playing through field just because you don't have a horse in anyone's race. And yeah. ultimately, you solving the problem is also you walking away. Yeah. Yeah, like... And, and that's... And... That tone is great for this sort of game, and I think it really does nail uh, an element of the books where it is that, you know, he is a guy who is a... Geralt is a guy who solves problems. Not necessarily the way you ask all that often, <laughs> but he, he does. And I think there there's also this really great Nietzschean vibe where the first duty of a monster hunter is to decide what counts as a monster. Yeah. And, uh, and there is a lot of that in the game, which that uh, that's another thing I appreciated where you while he is always hired to handle shit, you definitely feel that ultimately you have the as however you're playing Geralt, like ultimately the choice is up to you on how he's going to handle the situation. Yeah, um, like this game gives you a quest where it's like, hey, that guy's a monster. You should take care of him. And you find out he's he, he's he's just gay. Yeah, and, and this whole and this whole village just are just idiots, They're and you're just, just like terrible humans. <laughs> it's like you suck, and then you'll be like, no, that guy's a monster, and it's like, well, he's a werewolf, and he doesn't bother anyone except oh, his sister-in-law abused the fact that he was a werewolf. Yeah, she's the monster here, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there are a lot of those moments. I definitely played the game where I was very more sympathetic toward. Uh, a lot of the a, a lot of the creatures like I didn't I went out of my way to not kill any like the, the line that I drew was if if it is sentient and not killing anything I'm not going to kill it if it is sentient and killing something if it was done non-maliciously I got it to leave 
Well, and that and that was it. Like you could sort of set yourself up with a code. Like you know, yeah. ev- everyone who talks about playing The Witcher Three sort of says, "Yeah, I set these boundaries." It's like I, I was always like, "Don't start a fight, get paid." And it was like, if it's not hurting anyone, leave it be. And like for, a, I made a very specific point of never killing a troll. Yeah, that's that's Cause, interesting. Cause I did trolls because they're, they're just guys. They're they're not yeah. bright guys, but they just want to do their thing, and they're so <laughs> dumb and they're they're so dumb and charming, like charmingly dumb. You feel bad if you had to fight one, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the only the, there were only two trolls they ended up killing, and they were near the end of the game when um uh, I won't say the location, uh, even though it's over a year old. Uh, there there is one location that opens up near the end of the game where. You are with another Witcher, and you're going down this mountain path, and two trolls are throwing shit at you, and they're being overly aggressive, and I couldn't, I it, it, with with how the story was going, it didn't make sense for me to uh to spare them, and that was one of the few times where they were overly aggressive. So even then, I was still staying within sort of the confines of 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 uh of how I was role playing. Like they uh, they threw the first rock. Yeah, they they threw that rock at you first. Yeah, you stabbing also, them is just what happens when you throw rocks at you. <laughs> it's like you kept throwing the rocks. If you stopped throwing the rocks, we would have been cool. But then you had to fuck with me, so then you're gonna get sorted right in the face. Yeah, and and I mean, like uh, everywhere in The Witcher, you know, trolls are just great. Like there's there's you know a good sti- there's a great side quest in two where you have to deal with the fact that the local uh, the townies are upset with their bridge troll because he's not maintaining the bridge right. <laughs> and it's like, well, he's just pissed that he doesn't have a wife. Let's find him something. Uh, and um, Mike Mignola collaborated on some comics for The Witcher around the first the around the time the first game came out. And there's a great story about a troll where it's like, okay, it's one gold piece to cross bridge. And it's like, for that money, I'll take off my boots and walk. Yeah. Two silvers, I carry boots. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and that's right. I can see that. Yeah, that's I can, right. I can, and I can, I could see that, and that that's well written, because I could actually see those trolls uh, trolls saying that. I'm like, oh, all right, all right. Okay. <laughs> like, And I give them the two silvers. Fuck. Yeah, it's like, I that was, that was clever. All right, troll, that's fine. <laughs> And the other thing I really dug about this, um, kind of uh, going back to what I was mentioning earlier about the the romantic split, I really like how the romances were handled here. Um, and not just the romances, just kind of the general kind of laissez-faire way they look at just sex in general in this world. Uh, the difference being like, oh, when you actually say that you're falling in love with somebody that has the weight to it, but just going and kind of, you know, kind of fucking around isn't really a big deal. Which, you know, when you consider how long-lived sorceresses and witchers are i i would imagine that would have to be a uh delineation you would have to make if just for your own sake well that's it like th- these are people that deal in that and and that's i think part of their outsider status is that there are really no consequences for either of them having sex and there's just you know what else are you gonna do for fun you've yeah. seen everything else and you might get shanked tomorrow yeah like a griffin might rip out your throat. Like also, visit a visit a visit a whorehouse. No problem. And and butchers really can't get drunk anymore. 
Yeah, don't they have to, like, mix, like... I mean, yes, getting drunk is poisoning the human body, but don't they actually have to mix poisons to, like, really get trashed? Yeah, like, the part of the implication of a lot of the alchemy system is that you are mildly trashed and also have health regen now. <laughs> I, I wish real life getting drunk was like that. I wish I got <laughs> mild health regen every time I got drunk. Brewer's yeast has numerous healthful qualities. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not immediately apparent. You know, I, I, I've never drank a fucking stout and had uh, got cat eye and be able to see in the dark. In fact, usually when I drink stouts, I see much worse over a period of time instead of seeing better. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So like, yeah, so we're talking about the combat. Uh, this is such a fucking gorgeous game. Uh, so uh, pretty. I can't I, I am just shocked that a game that large and yes, of course, you know, whenever you're going through forests, it definitely uses speed tree. But that's fine. That's that's just standard. But in general, the art design and the world is so pretty and full of so many little details. I remember there was a Kotaku article that was talking about just the small details of the game, including like uh, one of the peasants being in a field and digging and the like as you sat there like the pile of dirt that the guy was digging was getting larger. And that's like one of those like really small things that you would never expect to like, like see. And it's like, Oh, that's such a awesome little detail. And then later on, when you get to the, uh, the final DLC blood and wine, just that whole area is just, I, I would put that like in the top five best looking things I've seen in a game. It oh. is just stunning. Like uh, I, I played this on PC um, at the time. Yeah. I I had a pretty modest rig when this came out, like right in the middle of the road. So I could I could turn a few settings up to high and a few other settings down to low and it would it ran fine. It ran great. I was actually impressed with uh, I was really impressed with how this thing was built. Um, But just just and part and uh, before Blood and Wine or a little after Blood and Wine came out, I uh, got in. I got one of the NVIDIA 1000 series cards. Which Jesus. are, yeah, I mean, it, for the price of an entire PS4 bundle, <laughs> you, you can you can really crank some things up. You would hope so for a fucking, was it like a 10, 1070 or 1080? Uh, I'm, I'm actually running a 1060, which is still better than a that's Titan. Still, that's still pretty beef. That's better than a Titan, really? Yeah, the 1060 is $600 and, is, and outperforms a Titan. Jesus, wow, that's, damn. Yeah, that 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 is what happens when you uh, get your chipset that tight. Yeah, but uh, you know, just cranking that up on Blood and Wine was just like, oh my, oh my, <laughs> I am. Not only are all the leaves pretty, but ha- Ger- Geralt's hair is so wonderful. The, oh, the, those tress effects. Um, no, it's uh, oh god, it's not tress effects. It's the other company. It's Nvidia Hairworks. Oh. <laughs> AMD and NVIDIA games. have feuding hair physics technology. It's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> no, what's fucking ridiculous is that NVIDIA, uh, that, so NVIDIA sued AMD over Tress Effects in Tomb Raider, uh, the first reboot, uh, Tomb, Tomb Raider 2014, 2015, yeah. and then when The Witcher 3 came out, AMD <laughs> sued NVIDIA over hair works. Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, you bastards. <laughs> You're all bastards. 
I mean, the, I mean, even that's that's what's so impressive. Like, even on a PS4, that how good this game looked fucking amazing. I can only imagine actually having the uh, the fucking beefy rig to be able to get just all of that glory. Oh, it like there's there's a lot of cool things. Um, and uh, okay, like like even the DLC, I like I fucking love the DLC, both of them. Like. You know, mm-hmm. who who else but this company could give me a three-hour wedding where nothing bad happens and have that be compelling fucking game? I felt so anxious the entire time because I'm like, there's no way that nothing can happen at this wedding. Like, I'm expecting, and especially with... Uh, especially with what's going on, I'm expecting, I'm like, when is this going to break bad? And it never did. It was. I was waiting for it to happen, and it never happened. And I didn't feel disappointed by that. I was just like, "Oh wow, okay." I'm. I'm glad that they have the uh, bravery. Is it the right word? But I'm glad that that they have the conf- confidence. Is the better word in their storytelling and their actors to be able to, you know, give you keep your attention while that is going on. Oh yeah, and. Uh, th- this game's ability to play with story and do fun things with it is great. Just seeing the bent versions of fairy tales that you see in, es- especially the short stories from uh, the the you know the actual Witcher series proper. You know, having that come about is great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know exactly. That was. Uh... Oh, and that's actually really interesting. You're talking about uh, splitting stories. Uh, I only played that once because, again, The Witcher, like, oh, yeah, we should also say that uh, this game is is so fucking long. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, I put, um, I forgot what my final time was for this. It was, it was something ridiculous. Uh, I usually put for, like, longer, for, I want to say maybe 120 to 150 hours I put into this, which, and even then I didn't do all of the extra shit. I just did most of it. (sighs) I did a so, like I checked a lot of boxes, including the treasure hunts because the treasure hunts were actually good. Well, the treasure hunts also gave you the the really pretty armor. And listen, if you're gonna run around for over a hundred hours, I want pretty armor. I want to look nice. Oh God, yeah. Like you, you don't <laughs> want to be that guy in three di- just like with the this the three pieces of Mitch mismatched armor. It's like no. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to put in the work, and I'm going to get all of the Griffin School gear, and then I'm going to dye it blue. Yeah. Oh, man, that ended up uh, extending my time in the DLC. Um, yeah, because just, just like a, a lot of games that are out now, um, you, you, there's crafting that you can do for specifically your armor and your weapons, and some I- and additional items also. But there are different tiers of of, uh, of armor that you can craft, and they add in an extra tier in the last DLC. So I told myself, I've been playing this for so long, I have a whole bunch of other stuff coming. You know, I'll do the master crafting for one armor, that's it, and I'm fine. And then I ended up doing all the master crafting except for one, because all of it looks really fucking awesome. Well, and the, on, the, top, the on stories, top of that, they give you... Like, the stories of the Grandmaster Witchers is great. Oh, that's right! Yeah, that's there are there are little tales that go along with each armor set. Yeah. Okay, you know, so I'm, you're you're still getting more lore. Yeah, there's still more stuff, and I'm checking. So uh, they did a weird thing re- with review copies, so I have to check two files. Okay, so I played 
109 hours. Whew. Man, that's uh I okay, I've done that more often lately than than I might be willing to admit. Uh I've done did that with uh oh god, I did that with uh fucking Metal Gear Solid 5. I did that with uh Dragon Age. I, I did that multiple times with Dragon Age Inquisition because there was just so much, you know, so much story going on there. Uh but yeah, there are times I just look at the how much, you know, how many hours I've spent playing and I just like, "Oh man, that's that's so much. God damn." Uh, my final time here we go. I, I I took a picture of this to post on Facebook. Uh, my final time was 129 hours. Yeah. Which and I and I, I honestly I don't regret a single one of those hours. Like even the one even the the, the dozens of hours I spent just wandering around, le- just leveling up and looking for shit. It was it was such a beautiful world to wander that nah, it was great. Yeah, no, I I enjoyed all of this. I enjoyed you know my time thoroughly um but uh, and and just e- even the bit in the middle where it's like oh you have to find dandelion to get anything done and i'm like yeah yeah i keep getting not only do i keep getting sidetracked but it just keeps you, you just keep hitting walls where it's like okay dandelion talk to this guy that guy won't do anything for me until i do nine other things fuck <laughs> Yeah, like like that busy work section that a lot of RPGs have. It felt great. It felt great. Like all the people you were dealing with were compelling. I don't want to say I don't want to say interesting, but compelling because they're all assholes. <laughs> they're more like, what's your story? <laughs> You're interesting. <laughs> and and that, what was so what I liked about that. And yeah, that that's arguably the slowest part of the game. But what I liked about it is that came after you're going and you're fucking off in nature and now you're in like a uh, one of if not the biggest city in the game so by doing all of that you are actively you know finding out more about this world so if anything it's giving you more more just more background which which this game does such a great job if you want to find shit it will give you multiple opportunities to be able to do it and like and being able to kind of weave that into your standard narrative just a really good example of people who know who who know how to narratively connect that. Which I just gotta I gotta applaud uh, CD Projekt for you know for for doing that. Yeah, and um, even bringing back all the characters like like bringing back Dandelion. Oh, Dandelion's great. Dandelion's <laughs> just great. He's such a fucking boss. Oh god, yeah. I'm I'm God. What's the dwarf's name? Um, starts with a Z. Um, Zolt- Zoltan. Zoltan. Yes. Zolt- <laughs> He's ridiculous. Yeah, again, very broish. That that's what I kind of liked about a lot of those guys. Where you're like, oh, he's he's dealt with these guys in other games and in the past before, and like he just he's yeah. You have the choices of of being like kind of cold to them, but it's just so rewarding to just kind of bro up with them. Oh God, yeah, like. Even even the vampire in Blood and Wine, your vampire buddy. Oh, I I thought he I thought he was great. I yeah, thought he, he was. He's just so cool. Character. Yeah, you know, and and that's another one. I like how once again, like we mentioned earlier about like fucking with like the fairy tales and fucking around with standard fantasy tropes. Like the way how they deal with vampires in this game, based off of a lot of the shit that you experience, but twisted just enough where you're like, okay, this is this is a new take on it. 
Yeah. Now and oh god, there, there's a lot of cool stuff. Um, uh, who am I? Well, I had a thing. The Bloody Baron. So a lot of that people, guy. Uh, that was the that was the thing I heard the most about this game was about the Bloody Baron story, and I don't know if it was just the way how my well, no, actually the way that mine panned out was okay. So how did yours pan out? Did yours pan out more positively or negatively? I like it is. Like, that is a story of one guy who can't keep control of himself, one woman getting desperate to a, to deal with it, and you're just stuck. Kind of, sm- I, I smacked some sense into him, and I don't think it went well, but... You tried, at least. But I, I tried. I tried to be a good guy. Yeah, and that's, so... Uh, if you don't have any sort of familiarity with this, because I mean, if you've read media about this game, like you have definitely heard about the bloody Baron, it's a story that involves, um, it involves a, a, a domestic abuse, which is a very, very touchy subject. And in most other ways, in most other games, something like this would, would be just very, very clumsily handled. And I think, and I think they managed to talk about it in a, in, in a way that was both mature and also didn't glorify the either the victims or the actual act. Like it treated this very much as a story of like a broken man doing terrible things and the consequences that followed from it. And it and it doesn't and it doesn't show him it doesn't show him in a positive light, even when he's trying his best. And sort of the consequences of what he or what ends up happening to him, uh, especially if things go really south, which they really can, uh, is just this very dark moment, and not dark in that edgelord way that you know uh, I'm pretty sure all of us have seen before, but in in a very real kind of way. Like, and and I'm going to compare it to say Dragon Age, where. It's like, oh man, we have to do the blood magic, and it's just like, yeah, trafficking with demons and all sorts of dark, grim badness. And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure, trafficking with demons is bad, but this is real. Yes. Like, more often than not, the worst stuff in this game is just real, real harsh, just, just genuine genuinely the worst of what makes people people yeah and 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 it, and it is very interesting that you see that he he isn't necessarily a shitty person he there, there is some shit in him that can be decent the way how he deals with um with Siri. Oh, by the way, the story, the, a lot of the story involves looking for Geralt's adopted daughter named Siri. Uh, <laughs> that's how big this game is. Where well, it, there, there's so much stuff story. to do. Finding your daughter, <laughs> reuniting with your estranged lover, and kicking yeah. the crap out of the Goblin King are almost after <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the way, the way how he interacts with Siri, there are definitely like really creepy terrible ways he could have done could have handled that but they didn't he he wasn't like that so i think the tragic part about it is that he does this unforgivable thing repeatedly and you 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 can and you should judge him for what he did and the tragedy is it's like oh man you're 
you're you're you're you're fucked up, but you don't have to be like this. You're you're not irredeemable, but you keep doing irredeemable things. You know, and that 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 and that is such a wonderfully mature way to tell a story like that. That as much as I love Dragon Age, Dragon Age is just really fucking cartoony. You know, they it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be appropriate in that world, whereas it feels appropriate in in The Witcher. Yeah, and ah, uh, there there there's just and I mean as dark as it gets, there's it gets. There's also just a lot of fun. Yeah, like, yeah. Like these guys it, aren't afraid to just like poke fun at the marketing like i think there's you bump into one of the characters from the trailer for witcher 2 and it's like what the hell were you thinking when you were shouting to kill monsters i don't know it seemed like a thing to say oh so the oh wow so i remember that so that's a that's a like that was a that was a big dumb trailer for witcher 2 (laughs) oh my god that's that's hysterical that's uh did you run into the uh the uh, DRM and GOG reference. Uh, I might have. So there's a they're trying to break into a tower to get this tome, and the the, the initials for the tome are a DRM, and how that tome isn't necessary, and in fact punishes all the everybody who enters unnecessarily. So they have to get some. They have to find an item that initials are GOG. That will break the DRM, <laughs> uh. and, it's, and it, it, is he- it is heavy-handed and just with the the biggest shit-eating grin the entire time. Which, which I I love that. Like when when this when The Witcher is having fun, it's having fun with the biggest smile on its face. Uh, like- and I, I wonder how much of that has to do really with the fact that. Like, if I remember correctly, CD Projekt Red is a completely independent studio, right? They, they, yeah, they are completely, they are not beholden to anyone. Part of their, their basically their, their publishing model is to fund all of their efforts by running a storefront. And, you know, that storefront is fueled by a lot of their beliefs about PC gaming. And some of that comes from the fact that they are Eastern European guys who normally would resort to piracy just because of how pc gaming works there and all of a sudden you're paying twice as much because reasons and you know uh so so like their whole platform is built on no fair price treat the customer like they're a customer and oh by the way we're gonna kind of curate the storefront a bit and show things that we want to play unlike other people you know that that's 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 really awesome that uh they they're able to do that but also that they've been able to cultivate this like respect with their fans where you know people go out of the way to buy this because like again i think this game did if i remember correctly this game did really fucking well oh impossibly well and yeah. when you consider and then you convert all that money to local currency against the local cost of living yeah, they they did great, <laughs> and that's that's good. I'm I'm glad that every so often that you see people doing, you know, intelligent business decisions and treating customers with respect and making good product ends up having you know getting getting a just reward. You, know, you don't you don't see that very often. So 
to, uh, to, to, to get that for something like this. And, and it's, it's so funny to think about this, but it's like, I mean, I guess The Witcher 3 is an indie game from an indie studio. Well, I mean, Just, indie... You know, the biggest fucking... Well, that's it. Indie means not what you think it means, right? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking about scale in this case, and this is obviously <laughs> quite literally the biggest of scales. Like, you, you mentioned Image was an indie comic, and I'm like, hey, is Image really uh, indie anymore? <laughs> Well, I I would hazard the way how Image handles stuff is is indie insofar as since everything is creator owned, they have to handle stuff. Whereas like, yeah, they're the publishing line and they give these people who have these stories a chance to be able to do that. So sort of indie, indie light, maybe might be a better way to put it. Yeah, like and, and I mean, indie... I mean, indie music's the same way, right? Where like, yeah. no, no one's gonna say Chance the Rapper is indie, but he 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 doesn't have a label. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And and nowadays, um, yeah, it's just it's it's so easy for uh for smaller scale productions to be able to do that kind of thing. And of course, if you got enough juju behind you, like like CD Projekt does, you know, they do whatever the fuck they want. They're like, okay, well, all we gotta do is pass cert for the for the consoles and that's basically the only masters that they have to kind of uh tip a hat to yeah fair enough like it's it it is just that and i think you know they don't even necessarily they've they've only recently felt compelled to play in the console market right like yeah uh the witcher 2 came out on 360 because it was an easy port uh but i mean if if things get too bad, they'll back out to PC again. I'm sure. Yeah, and 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 just the, the way how PC markets are now is, you know, they can have a successful PC game. You know, there there are good PC markets now, thanks to. I, I you, you got they had to build to, one. Yeah, you know, kind kind of thanks to these console manufacturers taking so goddamn long and trying to structure everything, they ended up creating um kind of a sustainable PC market. So, I mean, but the, I mean, hey, anytime that you can appeal to more people, that's obviously going to be more copies that you can like, sell. More so. places is more copies sold. And, you know, um, they gave a copy of Witcher 2 to Obama. I wonder if he played it. <laughs> oh, man, that's not oh, that that that's great. But also sucks. It's like, oh, no, the Witcher 3. He actually might have had a better. Uh, like, had I, a better I just remembered I something flashed in my brain it's like oh yeah when obama did the state visit to poland part of the care package was a copy of the witcher 2 we are so proud of this like that a a country proud of a product like that like that's rare ah like canada is so weird because like we are we are half ashamed about what our cultural what 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 cultural exports of ours are successful like we we are we have really mixed feelings about SCTV. <laughs> really? Yeah, and and it it's weird to talk about because, um, like SCTV did an entire episode set inside George Orwell's 1984. Interesting. Yeah, they did like a whole sketch comedy episode in a dystopian future. With all the proper nomenclature and everything, and I'm like, that's pretty great, actually. Like that's that 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 doesn't happen. But 
like you know no we canada does not have any particular uh you know cultural rallying point behind strange brew (laughs) (laughs) in my head i was thinking rick moranis but yeah yeah like along that same line like like rick moranis and uh dave thomas like we we don't we don't rally behind those guys like it's it's real like have you ever seen trailer park boys no Okay, so that's another Canadian TV show that did well that we are like, nope, nope, not going to touch that. <laughs> we'll just leave that in the corner. That can go over there. <laughs> yeah, I can't really think. Um, just And the way how America is, like you, there are definitely things you could point to being like, oh, jokingly stereotypical American. But then, then you know, it, it definitely... Uh, kind of stratifies depending on where you're at because you know what's american in new york is definitely not american in california it's definitely not american in miami yeah <sighs> you know at least pl- at least places like new york and, and california have uh these very strong identities whereas you know some of the younger cities or cities that are still on the on, on the up you know might not necessarily have the best of identities like you look at something like uh like austin texas and why do people know Austin? Because it's weird as fuck. Austin, we're weird. Yeah, that's not not, not the worst way to be known. Um, but yes, going back to like, yeah, ha- having having a president sort of present this bit of fiction as like so note- noteworthy is just sort of a, 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 te- a testament to how like I think how CD Projekt has taken this whole IP and just done so well by it. You know, and that's that's so rare to see somebody be able to nail that so well. Like I could think maybe early Bioware, uh, but yeah, not a not a, not 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 many people can be so well connected with a single franchise like that to be so representative of, of where they're from. And uh, the author has kind of got sort of kicking himself lately about it. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, like he he took he he just took a flat licensing fee for the first game and just said, yeah, you've got video game rights for basically forever <laughs> oh he got fucking uh he got spider-man oh well i mean at the time it seemed like the safer bet than a revenue share yeah no they, they, he just like spider-man yeah and i mean even looking at witcher one i'd be like yeah no take the money and run buddy take the yeah. money and run andre now i'm like ooh, ooh, a percentage would have been nice wouldn't it <laughs> Yeah, it didn't even have to be a big percentage. Just a little chunk would have been. Oh, even like even just being a shareholder in all of that GOG money. Oof! Like, wait, like, are they, did they CD Projekt runs GOG? Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, that that's the thing. They 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 the way they fund like that. That was what I was alluding to. Is the way they fund? Oh, wow. Is by being a storefront. So it's the it it, it truly is the Valve effect. Yeah. Except, that, okay. except they still put out games. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't want to definitely get into that. That's a. Uh, that's so frustrating. It's, it's like one of those things where like I understand why Valve has transitioned into what they're doing, but fucking a man, what a what a, what a dick move to do that after presenting so many things to people for so long. Yeah, it's like, oh man, remember that orange box? Can do with yeah, another please. box. <laughs> I don't even need a box. Just give me, just give me a three, something with a three in it, anything well, with a three. Well, in it. like the like the conspiracy theory is that it'll be a box of threes, right? 
<laughs> it's a, it's a cube. Yeah, because you know nothing, they haven't released anything with a three in it. Wouldn't it be great to spend two hundred dollars and have everything with three in it? Jesus, yeah, that would be. Uh, I mean, that might be the richest fucking three ever. I, I just imagine how much that would sell. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, but but <laughs> yeah, almost almost like we're we keep getting distracted, but uh, but yeah, man, that's 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 really interesting, and that that's also a great way for them to kind of take in a way the pro valve and anti valve approach to you know being able to create something like this and that's that's neat that 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 that's nice to know that somebody did something interesting like that all right and um getting into dlc again i do want to point out that you know i i love hearts of stone because it's this interesting bend on dr faustus mm-hmm. and there's a three-hour wedding where nothing bad happens and it's great fucking gameplay it doesn't sound like it but it actually it does immense amount of world building it it is it it's just so cool to just enjoy yourself at a wedding against yeah, your so will. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, very much literally against your will. And then Blood and Wine, you know, takes your 100 120 hours of playing Witcher 3 plus the last two games plus all the novels and just says, "Fuck it. Geralt gets the happy ending now. He semi-retires to France." He owns a vineyard. It's pretty nice. His girlfriend <laughs> hangs out there. Done. Or his, or his daughter, depending on how you played it. I, I had my girlfriend, but apparently you could also have, uh, depending on how things ended up panning out, you could have either Dandelion or Siri there. Really? Yes. So if you didn't romance anybody, Siri will show up. If things happen in the story, then Dandelion shows up. So, which which I like because if things go bad in the story and Siri isn't around, uh, that is a very dark ending. Yeah. So to have at the very least an addendum to that is better for poor Geralt because Jesus Christ, this dude has been through some fucking shit. Uh, but yeah, the 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 the, the tag, and I, I thought this was like a really. I thought that was such a great way to do it, and especially if you've been a fan of the series that through all three games, the way how the last mission, not how it pans out, but they do sort of this typical kind of cut to the title at some point, and it just it feels so appropriate because it comes after all of the Sturm and Drang, and there's a ton of fucking crazy ass shit that happened, and it's this sort of calm moment. Where you you get you get even like Geralt's kind of reflection of how the fuck did I end up here, and then there's a little tag at the end which gives you gives you the happy ending reward that this poor fucker deserves. Yeah, that's so weird, but it but again just just having that ending where it's like no Geralt can stop, you're done, it's done. Your butler's okay. <laughs> actually, like the I butler. actually like the bu- yeah, I like the butler too. He was just like, oh man, this 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 guy's prim and proper, but he's kind of cool. I like him. Like like you can see that he's cluing into the new boss is chill and finding that vibe. Yeah, he's just like, oh yeah, my new boss isn't a dick. All right, then then 
and oh man, let me and let me tell you, if 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 this conversation has made you decide to go and pick up this game, which you absolutely fucking should, get that complete edition. Oh, um, yeah. Well, get everything. Sure... Why not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you definitely should have a ton of fucking gold going into this because you will spend every single cent. Because I spent every single cent I had uh, improving the house, and then every single cent I had making most of the masterwork armor. Oh god, uh, yeah. And it's fortunately expensive. your house improvements give you display stands. Yes, and that's actually what made me do all of the master. Like I told said earlier, I wasn't into the masterwork. I ended up doing it because they did the thing where, hey, show your shit off, and I'm like, no, why would you do this to me? Uh, I I I just went with uh, the masterwork armor of the armor I already liked because, you know, Griffin School, alchemy for life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, ended up, I ended up going with Bear because I was all about just get, getting up in there and just swinging away like a fucking monster. But but I ended up posting like the like, I'm like, well, I've got an armor stand. Let's let's put my tournament suit on here. And the the, the whole tournament subplot was great in that. And also, um, blood like I also appreciated how Blood and Wine felt like not DLC. That felt like an expansion because that was like an extra twenty hours for me. Oh yeah, on top of story, a whole new area, um, all this extra armor, all this extra shit. Like this was this was a, a beefy improvement. And if I had paid full price for the game, I wouldn't have mind spending twenty or thirty dollars on this because I got a lot of extra shit. Oh god, yeah. And now I guess you can get the whole box for forty bucks. Easily, it's been thirty bucks constantly. I got it for thirty bucks uh, during uh, a digital Black Friday sale last year, and it's just been regularly thirty bucks on disc now. It's I see it on sale maybe like once or twice a month. <laughs> and that is that is some of the best uh, money you will spend for for a lot of time and a lot of good shit. Yeah, I'm I'm seeing this for twenty five on PS4. Why not? Yeah. Holy shit! Hell yeah! That's twenty five Canadian bucks. dollars. Oh yeah, for twenty twenty five at sixty dollars, that's a good deal with all the DLC. At twenty five, that's if you like you know action RPGs and fantasy in general, like this is a no brainer. And if it's too hard for you, you can switch it to the easy mode. And it is it is a game that I actively would tell people that if they think it's too hard, just switch it to easy because the story is actually worth. Well, getting to the story is great, but there are tons of tiny stories everywhere mm -hmm. and they're wonderful. Like every, every, every Bolton board quest is fantastic. Just yeah. it's a, it's a game that has its, a very strong identity that, and that's not, not a lot of games have that sense of confidence in itself. This is absolutely my favorite game for basically two years in a row. <laughs> Where I'm it's like, like, when it came out, yes. More DLC, yes. Another DLC, fuck yes. Yeah, that was it. For two years, it was my game of the year. Except for Bastion. <laughs> this is my argument on RP Gamer: is that Bastion should win every year because every year he gets ported somewhere new. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, I love... I'm up I'm up to my I think my fifth or sixth time playing it based off of playing the original when I when it came to Mac. And then when it came uh, on, I played that like three or four times on Mac. Then when it came to PS4, I replayed it like two or three more times. <sighs> this game is as good as Bastion, and it's about nine times longer. <laughs> oh, I would say way more than that. <laughs> I don't know. If you do everything in Bastion, 
Yeah, still, you can get it to like ten hours. That's yeah. still like maybe eight hours. Yeah, that's yeah, it's not it's not long. Ah, uh, no. Um and I I am just sitting here rocking back and forth like a meth addict wait meth addict waiting for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Ooh, man, we're not going to see that for a long time, man. Well, okay, so the original cyberpunk role-playing game for the dice and tables was set in 2020. Mm-hmm. If if this game comes out in 2020, <laughs> I'll be like, you made me wait this long, but it's right. I wouldn't be surprised if 2020 was the date for something like that. <sighs> that would make sense based off of how long they typically take to make a game, and all the support they gave for The Witcher Three, I have a, I they were probably like early on in planning, and they probably haven't, maybe only recently got into like full swing production. Yeah, well, in the meantime, they still have free to play Gwent. Yeah, so like we joked around about that when 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 you started the episode, but I played only the necessary base gameplay amounts of Gwent, and that was it. Uh, I know people who had sunk. Uh, like 20 or 30 hours into all the Gwent shit, and I, I'm, I like card games, and I, ju- I couldn't get into it. See, I have a, f- I have, a, I have a couple of friends who, um, one of them played the game, just was like, I'm gonna witch her around, and her wife was like, when, when my wife is out, I sneak in, and then <laughs> I, I, I open up her save file and play all of the Gwent. She has the I best decks. It. She doesn't know why her autosave keeps moving, but it does. <laughs> I-, I love the idea of there is a ghost that is playing my game and giving me better fucking cards. <laughs> this is a cool ghost. Yeah, like I think I played the first game in the first bar, and um, when one of the DLCs added a new faction, I had to play a bunch. I played like two more games there uh-huh. because I think there was something that tied into that. I tell you, the thing that really took me out of it really was. Excuse me. The the one mission where you are waiting for an ambush and you are playing Gwent while you are waiting for the ambush. Like I get it. People love this fucking game in this world, but time and place, man. Time and place. Yeah. Well, no, no. That well, like that. That's when you're hanging out with your uh, the crew of guys from The Witcher Two, right? Like. Yes. Yeah. You you meet up with uh, the human characters from The Witcher Two, and you're like, okay, we've got some things to deal with. You gonna help? And that feels specifically like uh, that. That feels specifically Glenn Cook. You ever read the Black Company? No. Okay, so the Black Company is um, about a bunch of mercenaries in a fantasy setting that's kind of specifically a darker bent of Tolkien. Like mm-hmm. these guys, their their employer is a ringwraith. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, like the 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 ten who were taken are very specifically modeled after the ringwraiths. But most of the first four books are uh, the two wizards, the company surgeon, and one officer playing Tonk. <laughs> Tonk? Yeah, Tonk, uh, which is a real-life gin rummy variant, I guess. I had never heard of it, but so I'm, but like that feels right. That's like, oh, dark fantasy, dark fantasy military dudes? Of course they're playing cards inappropriately. <laughs> when they're not supposed to. Oh, I mean, it's like there is nothing to do but wait. That's true. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Goblin owes me. How much does Goblin owe you? Silence. 
300 gold. Oh, you're wizards. You've been playing this game forever. <laughs> you're 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 going to you're going to eventually get that, but it's going to be a couple hundred years from now. Uh, I think Goblin dies. He doesn't pay anyone back. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and that's and and, and those yeah, that was the weird thing because I because I got in Final Fantasy VIII, I got heavily into Triple Triad beyond just the fact that it has its own like Triple Triad was fun to play. No, I think and, I think uh, my wife has a similar story of her and a friend stealing other people's save files to get all the good cards. Yeah, and especially those good cards had some fucking crazy ass bonuses in Final Fantasy VIII. Actually. Um, not to derail this, but uh, that card game breaks fucking Final Fantasy VIII in the best and worst ways. So, yeah, I would say that that is the best combination of, of card game where it directly affects how a game is played on top of, you know, being a pretty decent game in and of itself. Okay, so based on a based on a arts grant from the Polish government, CD Projekt is planning on releasing this in 2019. Oh, the... the uh, 20 Cyberpunk? Yeah, Cyberpunk. Okay, well... They say 2019. Well, pers- it might be like December 2019. release 2019. Yeah. But that that's the only official word. And it's semi-recent, so that's something. Okay, that that's like at least a minor update. I'm hoping that at least by next next E3 there'll at least be like, you know, a teaser video or something. Something so- something a little more substantive than just, hey, 20 Cyberpunk. Wait for it. Ah. Uh, that that's going to put a fire under Pondsmith's butt though. Because uh, part of the part of the deal where uh, CD Projekt got the rights to Cyberpunk, the setting, mm-hmm. was that uh, Pondsmith would release a tabletop version of The Witcher. Oh shit! Yeah. Damn. All right. That that'd be something. I if it comes I'm, out. I'd be, I'd be down for that if that happened. Oh yeah, that that is something I would pick up. But I think we are we are spinning down. So, uh, you know, th- uh, so Pedro, thank you, Pedro, thank you for joining us. You can find more Pedro uh, on the Talking Geek and Chaos Theater. There will be links on the website for you to find that. And thank you very much for listening. Look for keep your eye on this web zone. There are projects in the offing. Projects, mysteries, mysteries. Find out soon. All right. Good day. Good day. Huh. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Thank you for listening. I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 3.0 Unported International License. Visit our website, sbopodcast.com, for more episodes, contact information, social media links, and if you could be so kind as to please subscribe and rate our show on your podcasting app of choice